show. Are you DTFF? Here's Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your host, Jake Trowbridge and Dustin Lunt. Hey, welcome back to DTFF, everyone. Uh, sorry for the delay if you were patiently waiting for us here on the uh, live stream. Uh, Jake was having some technical issues, and if you can't tell, right by my side. They weren't resolved. Side by side. The issues were not <laughs> resolved. Uh, it was resolved with good old-fashioned walking over to my neighbor's house to join his stream. I think it's working out. We'll we'll see how it works out. Um, but yeah, we've got a great show. As you can see, we've got some uh, guests returning to the show. Uh, were they here last year for the AFC North? I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble if they weren't. So I'm just <laughs> I think we were. Them. I feel like this is like our third. I season. think this is the yeah. third annual yeah. AFC North episode with us. I agree. I, I do too. Well, good. That Don't makes worry. I'll, scroll, I'll scroll back in my podcast feed. And make sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're listening, you know who this is because they're in the episode description. But it's a reunion with the Ball Blast ladies, Kate, Michelle, and Majuk, coming back on to talk about the AFC North and their beloved Steelers. I'm very excited about this. Hey, hey. I will say, it feels like we're double dating right now, and I absolutely love it. I know it's always like Michelle and I on the same end of like a connection. There, we're always the only people in the same room when we're recording a podcast together. But you guys, I think, are the first people that we've ever co-recorded a podcast with who were in the same room. And I'm so excited that we're breaking barriers here. On the <laughs> we DVD did this just for you. Yeah, This was actually a big old ruse. None of this was necessary, but we just thought it'd make you feel more comfortable. Dustin actually probably clipped your your internet cables just outside your yep. house to make it happen. Dustin, Classic. big up. Yep. Appreciate it. Classic this guy. That's that's what I do, yes. Uh, but yeah, we're talking all things AFC North this evening, uh, continuing our divisional breakdown series. Uh, I know, ladies, you're going to want to talk only Steelers, but we will sprinkle in the other teams and you can tell us how much you hate them and, and why they're going to be. We scared. are decked out. We got our Steelers cups. We are in Steelers uh, gear. We are ready. But, you know, I I also like to talk about the Ravens and the Bengals as well. And unfortunately, we'll have to also mutter through the, the Browns as well. Well, look, it'll be it'll be a, a part of the episode. It doesn't have to be a focal point necessarily. I want to call out, I'm wearing the only black and yellow shirt that I own, by the way. That was happenstance. I didn't even plan that, but I'm excited uh, about it now. Man, you should have said you planned it, you know? I, thought I mean, I planned it, and give me applause now. Yes, we're very, we're very happy to know that you're considering us so intently when you're having on your guests hey, I only we even hope... have a Najee Harris jersey behind us we yeah all in what are we Steelers fans or something this is crazy <laughs> Weird. now where I did consider you very much was uh when I decided to get my beverage ready for the episode you know typically I'm a beer drinker Dustin and I were the beer skis however I know that you two are not so much you two a little bit more of the uh White Claw truly variety now, I don't have those but what I did have was a San Pellegrino and some vodka. So I mixed hey. those two bad boys together and made my own. Hey, so we are drinking we're drinking a vodka soda up in here. So we have the same thing going on with some Red Bull. I gotta add that. Yeah. What are you drinking, Dustin? 
I would have gotten the memo. I'm I'm just being basic and drinking Modelo this evening. Oh no! Yeah, Wait, what I call Modelo this past weekend? Modelo. Modelo. <laughs> I kept calling it. I was actually really embarrassing. We were like in a big group and I was like, I really don't want Medolo. I don't want Medolo because I thought that's what we were going to be forced to drink. And Kate was like, it's Modelo, Michelle. <laughs> forced to drink it? Excuse me? No, it is yeah, a delicious. I, I honestly have never even tried it. I've never even tried it. I just I, I just feel like it. I wouldn't like yeah. it. So. That's based on the name, know. based on the very accurate name of Modolo, yeah, you wouldn't like that. Yeah. You wouldn't like that. <laughs> I don't like full beers. Actually, I do like craft beers. All right. Maybe I'd like <laughs> yeah, We're talking ourselves yeah, into a hole yeah. here. Anyways, I know you guys have been on before, but just for the fans who haven't heard you, just real quick, how did you guys become Steelers fans? What What's the backstory in all this? So I was raised a Steelers fan. I really had no other choice. My father has been a Steelers fan since the 70s, and then my mom became a Steelers fan when she met him, and they got married. So I really had no other choice, and like Sundays were for football. That's it. So we watched football all day long. I watched every single Steelers game. We never missed one. And then when Kate and I met, she didn't even watch football, but I made her a diehard football fan and Steelers fan. I did it. To be clear, mm-hmm. it actually come like it's, it's happenstance that – I happen to come from a family of Steelers fans. Uh, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, which is literally like smack dab in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And luckily I was raised a quote unquote Steelers fan. Um, so I, like, I even have some like really old school nineties Steelers sweatshirts that, um, you know, happened to make their way into my adulthood. And now they're very appropriate because they're my favorite team ever. Amazing. Perfect. They were soulmates. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a Disney movie. It was meant to be. <laughs> a really weird Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into um, talking about these teams in this division, um, let's hit up our drunk trade. Um, no fancy graphic because Jake had to screw uh, things up, but at least we can have our little sound bite here. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. This week's drunk trade comes once again from Reddit. You lovely, sometimes lovely people over at Reddit. This one from Chris LBC five six two says, "I traded Tom Brady in a one quarterback league for Jeremy Hill." In 2016, I had to try and tie in an AFC North player somehow to this. They say I needed an RB bad, and Hill did little after LOL. It's a painful LOL, I think. Brady kept balling, and I still don't have a legit stud QB in that league. So, we went back into the way, way, way back machine for this, obviously. Uh, For reference, Jeremy Hill, he was the RB22 that year. And then had a total of 163 yards from that point on in his career. He was donezo. Tom Brady, we did the thing for like a decade of this is his last year. No, this is his last year. No, this is. And we just kept going. And Tom kept going, unfortunately, for Chris. My question isn't about the trade. We know who won this trade. That's obvious. My question is. Is there a player in the league right now that is Tom Brady-esque in that people are going to keep writing them off for at least another couple of years and they're just going to keep performing? Does anybody spring to mind? Let's start with the two of you. 
It's not about writing them off, but I feel like people are going to keep saying every year, oh, this could be the year Travis Kelsey dies, right? He gets too old. Like, this is the year. This is the year he shouldn't be tight on one. This is the year he's too risky to take top five. Like, like this is, like, you can't take him that early because he's too old. Like, no, just keep, he's going to keep going until he retires, and he's going to keep being the tight end one. Like, there is no other option. That was my name, but as, like, a backup, I feel like I need to shout out Derrick Henry, who just, again, is another one of those players that year over year, I'm like, his his workload has to decrease, right? You would have thought in 2022, his age 28 season, that his workload would decrease, but no, he saw 349 carries last year. Like, the man is 28, and he is... He's old. That is ancient in running back years. And we're giving this man almost 350 carries. That is outrageous. And I like every year I say, it, well, we have to see a decrease in workload. Don't feel like the Titans are thinking that. Probably not. He's no. 28, but his legs are 18. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Dustin, anybody come to mind for you? I have one. Uh, he's not uh high profile like Kelsey or, or Henry mm-hmm. uh but it's Tyler Lockett. He's one of those guys that oh, he's going to yeah, produce yeah. every single year until he decides to retire and he's going to be undervalued and I'm going to scoop him up wherever I can. I love it. When I saw this trade I thought immediately of Keenan Allen. I just think that Keenan Allen is going to be the Larry Fitzgerald of our present times and I'm scooping him up everywhere. So that was fun. Chris, obviously you lost that. You don't need us rubbing salt in your wounds, but hopefully you learned a valuable lesson from it. And that's all that we need you to take away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, without Can I any... name a terrible trade that oh. I did that, that kind of goes along this line? Yes. Absolutely. So I, I thought Julio Jones was getting old. I think this was like entering the 2017 or 2018 season or something. It, it was a long time ago. And I traded Kate Julio Jones. So this was in a dynasty league. And I wanted Jarek McKinnon because this is the year he was supposed to be like so good. He was going to the 49ers. I thought he was going to be great. And also, that, who who was that wide receiver for the Patriots that was good for like one hot second? I think his Chris name was Hogan? Chris. Yes, Chris Hogan. Oh, yeah. It was Jarek McKinnon and Chris Hogan. That's who I got for giving away Julio Jones. Those two guys. Julio Jones so had a few more good years than him. And those two had nothing in them Oof. left. It's fine. Nothing. I traded uh, my first round pick. My first first dynasty league ever. My first ever, it would have been my first rookie pick ever, traded that pick away for Doug Martin. <laughs> and that pick ended up being <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Oh. <laughs> You're going to say Derrick Henry and bring it full <laughs> circle for a second, but that's still pretty nope. awesome. That's nope. Um, no, I, I, no, even better. I traded Doug Martin for, love or no, I traded Derek. Saquon Barkley for Doug Martin. <laughs> so it was a good trade all around. Things happen, <sighs> man. Shit happens, guys. And we're just here Mm -hmm. to try to deal with the mess we leave after. Or drink the pain away when things don't work out. So Mm -hmm. that's drinking and talking fantasy football right there. Baby, look at that. That's the name of the show. All right, we (laughs) should get into the actual discussion about the AFC North. Now, do you guys want to start with your Steelers or do you want to save them till last and finish strong? We can go whatever order you guys want to go in. I think we lead off big. We lead off with these Steelers and we get going out of the gate. All right. So um, just as a reminder to all of our listeners out there, uh, I'm going to go through notable in quotes of losses and additions that the teams had uh, and quickly go through their draft picks before we really start digging in deep here. So uh, Steelers, they finished third in the division at nine and eight last year. 
uh, notable losses, uh, Steven Sims Jr. and possibly Benny Snell, who has not uh, re-signed with the team as of yet. Uh, notable additions. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Allen Robinson uh, joins the wide receiver group. And in the draft, the only uh, fantasy relevant player was in the third round, uh, tight end Darnell Washington. So um, knowing that your Steelers, I mean, they finished above 530, you know, kind of a, a tougher division here. Uh, how are you feeling about your team uh, looking ahead here for 2023? I'm actually feeling better than Kate is. I think they're going to be above 500 again. They just they need to get to those 10 wins instead of nine. But I think they could be a playoff contender this year if Kenny Pickett looks like he did in some of the games at the end of last year. I have no faith in Kenny Pickett at all, but there were a couple games at the end of last year where he surprised me and he showed some flashes that he could be better than just meh. Like I always just thought Kenny, I, I didn't like Kenny Pickett as a prospect and I like nearly cried when the Steelers took him because I just relate him to Derek Carr where you're just the most mediocre, mediocre, mediocre <laughs> quarterback in the league. And that's not ever going to win you anything, but. I will say there was a couple games there. Pickett showed a little something. He did. So I, if he can take those steps forward, the line's better. Najee can get going. And the, and TJ Watt is back healthy, and the defense really steps up again this year. I, I think they have a chance to be decent. That's a lot of ifs, Michelle. You just listed yeah, out. You're yeah. like, if you got to talk yourself into your favorite team being good, or else what is life to live for? I just, I, I'm more of a cautiously optimistic person. Like. Yes, low key. I don't know if anybody's ever heard this fact. Tom, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. <laughs> never. And I do think this team is a better team than they had necessarily in 2022. But Matt Canada, big concern, right? Like absolutely handcuffs this offense top to bottom. Kenny Pickett showed a lot of flashes, but like on a play to play basis, didn't give you a ton like the consistency wasn't there had some really good moments that I think showed maturity beyond a rookie but in between it wasn't like he was producing but making a ton of mistakes he just it, there wasn't a lot of substance there in between some of these big moments and yes big moments 100% important but you can't rely on big moments and it, like I feel like those are kind of almost as volatile as like touchdowns. I'm not going to draft a player like Jamal Williams just because he scored a lot of touchdowns. Those can be kind of fluky. Yeah, those big moments I think are kind of fluky for a guy like Kenny Pickett. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. I think the, the team is probably going to do similarly to how they did last year. Deontay Johnson, I think. Probably the one fantasy guy that I'm really interested in just based off of ADP. But outside of that, I I don't know what to make of this team. And Michelle, you're definitely more optimistic than I am. For sure. Well, yeah, let's talk about touchdowns for a second. And let's talk about Deontay Johnson and his zero from last season. I feel like that has given him this nice value decrease. Uh, or rather, I guess, increase in value, decrease in ADP, whatever you want to say coming ahead for this year and in dynasties couple that with his drops that he has become known for on the internet uh does any of that scare you are you excited to maybe get him out of value 
Listen, his drops are so overblown. I can't handle it. Like his his percentage isn't any higher than anyone else who gets 147 targets. Like it just, I feel like they always come in prime time. This is the issue. So everyone's like, oh, and if he drops the ball, all hell breaks loose. If Jamar Chase drops the ball, which he has a very high percent, no one cares, which I get it because at least Jamar Chase makes a lot of big plays and Deontay does not. But like, there's not a wide receiver that you're going to get a better value in PPR leagues than Deontay Johnson. His targets over the last three years, 144, 169, and 147. His catch percentage went way down with Kenny Pickett. It was at 58% compared to 63% in 2021. And surprisingly, his yards per reception were the lowest of his career. We thought it couldn't get any worse than Big Ben throwing him the ball and like that short offense, but it turns out it's just the Matt Canada offense. There is no room for yards after the catch for these wide receivers with George Pickens or Deontay Johnson. Every single target is to the sideline and they have no space to do anything else. Like they have to make a hard catch to begin with because it's, you know, there's a lot of defenders near them or right on the sideline. You have to make a toe tap and then you're, you're just done after the catch. And I, I having these Steelers wide receivers is not going to be fun this year. So no George Pickens love is what I'm hearing. No excitement about the big play potential of a big George. But again, like, so Jake, going back to what I said, like, yes, the splash plays, exciting. The big plays, the big moments, yes, incredible. And, like, I think George Pickens showcased a lot of really special skills, right? Like, again, the toe taps, like, when you think of some of the best toe taps and toe drags of 2022, you think of George Pickens. because. He had so many really special moments. But again, in between those plays, what was he offering? And I don't feel like it was something that is going to necessarily earn him a fantastic target share. Like Deontay Johnson is a guy that I, I think overall better route runner, just better all overall reliable wide receiver. Like that's the guy that I'm going to go to down after down. Kenny Pickett, if you need a guy to, to go up and make a splash play with a contested catch, you might be your guy. But again, those plays are so hard to rely upon on a weekly basis. So maybe in best ball. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's the thing with George Pickens. It's he can make really nice plays. And he did make a lot of nice plays. A lot of them, in, again, prime time. So I think his cost is going to be too high. People are very excited about George Pickens. A guy who only had over 90 receiving yards in one game last year, and it was in week four. So that was a very long time ago where he even had a huge game or like a big game for a fantasy wide receiver. He doesn't get a ton of targets. He just gets the, you know, those deeper receptions kind of. So it doesn't, didn't score a lot of touchdowns last year because nobody did. But uh, yeah, I, I think Pickens is going to cost too much. So I'll take, if I'm taking one of these guys, I'm taking the value at Deontay Johnson because I do think he will go after Pickens. And that's just because of volume. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's, really hard to rely on any any of these guys like Kenny Pickett threw seven touchdowns left. like I feel like that's that's an under reported stat like seven passing touchdowns and never had a game where he threw more than two and now like so if yeah if I'm gonna invest in one of these guys and I'm not banking on touchdowns Deontay Johnson finished as the wide receiver 28 and scored zero Give me Deontay Johnson just based on the fact that he hasn't had a season with fewer than 140 carries and in, in carries or targets in any of the last three years. I'll take the volume. And and do you care at all about the Allen Robinson signing? Is he just more of a depth? 
piece at this point. He's disgusting for this offense. It's like Kenny. <laughs> it's like Kenny Galladay going to the Giants. He knew that that combination was just the worst. He can't separate. That's never been something like he's been known for. But since the injuries, he's like really bad at separating. And he's coming to an offense with Matt Canada, who could never draw up a play to get guys open if it to save his life. Like the least creative offensive coordinator, nobody's ever open. So. This system for Allen Robinson could not be a worse combination. I want nothing to do with him in fantasy. Okay. <laughs> when Kenny Galladay went to the Giants, I said, I want to even draft him if he fell to like the 14th round. It turns out that was a good, good plan. Not draft him even if there's a fire. Like, what'd you say? Not going to draft him even if there's a fire. I won't yes. do it. I refuse. Yes. Well, let's talk. This is maybe a more interesting question than is about the tight ends because I've been a Pat Fryermuth guy. I feel like I need branded apparel for Pat Fryermuth. However, Darnell Washington falls in the draft due to his medicals. Steelers pick him up in the third round. Now, I see two different worlds with him and zero in between. It's either go on that offensive line and just block, baby, or... Like, let's actually utilize you as this amazing uh, pass catcher that you are. But I don't see a gray area. So do you have a read on which version of Washington we'll get? I think in his rookie season, it'll be mostly the blocking version, where maybe in the red zone where they struggled so much last year, like around the goal line, they can utilize him there because he's so big. So maybe that does hurt Fryermuth a little bit. But I still think Fryermuth's a good value in fantasy drafts. And he would be the one guy in this passing offense that I would be most interested in. And I think like he can, he can still do it with Kenny Pickett and in this offense. And no, Darnell Washington doesn't scare me off of him, but I do love the pick for the Steelers. I love the pick. It, it really does feel like you're adding a piece, a, a very versatile offensive lineman. Cause like if you were, you're going to look at Darnell Washington, like yes, athletic metrics off the chart. Um, like the, the draft did, I think a lot and, and opened up a lot of people's eyes, uh, to that fact. But generally speaking, like where I want him contributing the most is probably the offensive line. Just such a solid blocker all around that, I mean, we, we've needed that. We've needed mm -hmm. some help for a long time and now we get it. Woo! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anything else to wrap up the Steelers? Do you do you have any other under the radar players, any sleepers from your team that we should be aware of? It doesn't sound so like it, but I want to be sure. <laughs> Nothing to do with under the radar players, but Najee Harris, I do think will be good value this year because people are, I feel like after his first two years scared off of him, he's going to be going in the RB2 range pretty easily. Like you can get him uh, well after all the top guys go. And he was dealing with that foot injury for a lot of the first half of the season. So weeks one through eight, 13 and a half carries per game, under 11 fantasy points per game. And then weeks 10 through 18, so they had a week nine bye. So after the bye, when he had a little bit more time to rest up and get fully healthy, his carries went all the way up to 18.2 carries per game and then 15.1 fantasy points per game. So a big jump there, 15.1 fantasy per game Fantasy points per game is not like amazing, but it's still plenty good enough for an RB2 spot. So I think he's a really good value, especially with the way they've, they've, um, worked on making their offensive line better. And just if Najee is healthy, I think he's a, could be a steal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. 
I, I would love to be able to see him drop from where he was being drafted last year in redraft uh, and grab him at a value. And he should yeah. a little bit. I think he dropped a lot. He's just Ooh. not. He's not. He's the not sexy the sexy pick. pick. Nobody wants him. That's fine. I don't want sexy players on my team, so I will. I will snag them up all day. <laughs> <laughs> Only ugly players for Dustin. <laughs> I didn't. I just get that. too jealous. So I, like to, <laughs> I try to avoid the sexy players because I don't want anybody looking at my assets. That's right. <laughs> well, Dustin's going to be very sad because this next team has a whole lot of sexy players that we're going to have to talk about mm-hmm. uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they finished first in the division at 12 and 4. Um, notable losses Samaje Pirine and Hayden Hurst, and additions to the team of Irv Smith and Trevor Simeon, if that Ooh. makes an impact. Um, and then in the draft, in the fourth round, wide receiver Charlie Jones. In the fifth, uh, running back Chase Brown, and in the sixth, uh, wide receiver Andre Iosivas. Iosivas, nice work, okay. Jake. Uh, I'll take it. I don't know if that's correct. I would have butchered that. Um, so coming off, I think it's back to back AFC North titles. Um, made deep runs in the playoffs. Um, got you know one of the best trios of wide receivers in the league. I think you could argue, if not the best. Um, still have well, what should be Joe Mixon playing at a semi-high level. Um, uh, forgive me as I roll my eyes as I say that. Uh, <laughs> this is an all-anti-Joe Mixon podcast. Yeah, right you know, now, yeah. Right? I'll be hating on Joe Mixon a little bit here, so that's completely fine. <laughs> um, so as far as fantasy assets go, uh, you know, the Bengals are one of the teams that you want to invest your chips in. Um, I guess the first question is, do you see them not repeating as AFC North champs? Uh, you know, barring any sort of catastrophic injury to players or, or whatnot, but um, how, do you, how do you see them playing out this next season? I think Joe Burrow is by far the best quarterback in the division. So, like, I understand that Lamar Jackson's very talented and he's a very good regular season quarterback, but I, I just think Joe Burrow and just has another year to get better with these two wide receivers. And they're still going to win the division. And then I think it comes down to the Ravens and the Steelers to be second place. And the Browns, I'm hoping to still just stay the lowly Browns. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the the division does belong to the Bengals, but I I do think that the Ravens, like they, it feels like everybody's discounting them so entirely from the conversation that, it wouldn't surprise me if this team just kind of like kerplunked out of nowhere and doinked the Bengals on the head. See, like, I'm not worried about the Ravens. <laughs> just not. See, I wow. think you're 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 definitely. We could talk about them when we get to them, but I, I think I think the Bengals take this division yet again. Probably are in the AFC Championship yet again. They're just a really good team. I will say they lost both their starting safeties, so that could come into play. But I think it, the mm-hmm. question's probably more on defense, but like. I, when you sign Orlando Brown in the offseason, like that move to me feels so much more monumental than like it, I, it's just, it's such a huge move. Protect your quarterback. And mm-hmm. they, they did, um, finally. And I think that's, that's going to be really big for this team who has year over year had that consistent issue. 
Well, let's talk about the quarterback. I, this is weird. It almost feels like Joe Burrow could be a value in some small way come redraft because there's a top tier for fantasy because he's not perceived as like a rushing quarterback. And so I feel like he falls a little bit lower than perhaps he should. Will you have any shares of Joe Burrow? I know he's still going to go relatively high for a quarterback, you know, top six for fantasy uh, for ADP. But is he somebody that you'd be interested in targeting Cumbery draft? It depends on where he's at and what my team looks like. Like, I feel like Burrow probably won't be on many of my teams just because, like you said, the the consistency with the scoring is too up and down because some you never know when it's going to be a Joe Mixon game or they they really like to run it far too much for the talent they have in the passing game. And then, yeah, some games Joe Burrow is going to go off, but you don't have that safety net of his rushing yards or rushing touchdowns. That I'm like, I'll, I'll like. Justin Fields, I would rather have him. They're probably going to go around similar spots there. And I understand that Joe Burrow is the much better quarterback in real life, but Justin Fields has the what like a higher ceiling somehow and almost a safer floor than Burrow does in this upcoming year for fantasy. So I'd rather take that. Yeah, three career mm-hmm. games for Joe Burrow with more than forty rushing yards, which isn't like it, I mean, 40 feels like, you know, a, a really high mark, but in terms of establishing a, a nice safe floor with your rushing, it, it, but only five games is more than 26. Amateur so, number. Yeah, like you gotta not, pump those numbers up, Joe. It, yeah. You're not going to get any safety here, but like just from a standpoint of like, if, if you're not going to draft a rushing quarterback for fantasy, you better, better have an elite passer. And you better have an elite passer that has some elite weapons. And I th- Joe is, Burrow fits that description. This is what I should say. If you draft Joe Burrow, you're going to be just fine. He's going to be great. Like, he's going to be just fine. He just, I, I don't know if he has, like, league the, winner. Yeah, I don't know if he has that league winner potential. And I don't know if he has the potential to be the quarterback one in a season, like a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or a Jalen Hurts who have that rushing upside. Like, even Patrick Mahomes has way more rushing upside than Burrow does. Yeah, he's got the scoop. It's true. Yeah. Lots of scoop. Do we have to talk about Joe Mixon? Do we have to do it? Let's just do it. Let's yes. just stand it off. Let's Dude. just do it. So Ed, is he gonna be there? I joined the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna is he going to be there by default as their number one guy? Is there room for him to get moved? If he stays there, what are we doing with him? Listen, I don't know why they would keep him because they can cut him and save a lot of money, but at the same time, like if they don't have any plans for the money, then maybe not. But there's Ezekiel Elliott out there. There's Leonard Fournette. There's Kareem Hunt. It po- possibly Dalvin Cook. Like any of these guys, I'm not saying they're going to be better than Joe Mixon, but they'll do exactly what he can do. And they're going to be much cheaper than what Joe Mixon is going to make this year. So I don't know why you wouldn't just like change those out. Because I don't know. He is, he is the definition. If you look up the definition of mediocre, running back in the dictionary, his picture would be right there. But the issue is he always has that one huge game every single season. He has the one huge game that he goes off where it very much like skews his end of year fantasy numbers. He did that again this year in week nine, 55 points. Okay. Well, that's going to change everything. There's only 17 weeks in the or 17 games in the fantasy season. So it's like, yeah, that's going to skew some things, but he's meh, meh, meh until those games. So this is a fun little note. He scored more than 18 fantasy points in PPR League twice all season long. 
Do you want to know the guys that also did it twice this past season? Kenyon Drake. Uh, well, he had more than that. So, okay. yes. But <laughs> Kenyon Drake, James Robinson, Jeff Wilson, CEH. You know who had more? Samaj P. Ryan. He had three such oh. games in the same backfield as Joe Mixon with way less opportunity. It's just, I just, I, there's nothing fun about Joe Mixon. Like the best of the best, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, CMC, Henry, they all had nine and eight such games with more than 18 fantasy points last year. Mixon had two. Two. He's, he's a good. fine RB2, but he's going to be more expensive than he should be. Like he always is. And people are going to hype him up as a potential RB1 this year. No, he's never going to do it. 19 so running backs have had at least 500 rushing attempts over the last three seasons combined. He ranks 16th out of those 19 in scrimmage yards per touch. He is one of only two. And I will say the only other one is Najee Harris to average under four yards per carry in that same span. He's so dependent on volume. And now he's going to be 27 this week or this, this weekend. Uh, no, not this weekend. It's Happy birthday, Joe. <laughs> Whenever the hell that is, he's going to be 27 this season. And like he's averaged 14 points per game in his career that far. Like, not great, not terrible, but like when you're looking at the history of aging running backs, and yes, 27 is kind of old for a running back, especially one that has a significant amount of touches. There have been just nine running backs to average more than 14 fantasy points per game since 2015. Derrick Henry, LaShawn McCoy, Mark Ingram each had two seasons where they averaged more than 14 points per game at that age. And the rest, they're elite. Like these are elite players. And Joe Mixon to this point in his career has not lived up to the hype of the potential and talent. It, it just it's not worked out and i don't know why we're we're banking like the one outstanding season he had he scored a crap ton of touchdowns and my my uh prediction is that one of fournette hunt or zeke or or bangle by the time we hit week one i don't want zeke to be a bangle i don't want zeke to be anything more than happy just be happy at home zeke but don't bring it onto a football field right now uh, I would love Leonard Fournette to be there, on the other hand. Let's say he moves. Is Chase Brown of any borderline interest to you or Travion Williams or any other running back? Captain America. Captain America, Chris Evans. Definitely Captain America. So I, I, what do you guys think about Chase Brown? I feel like that would be one of those just flyer picks and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. are you guys excited about him? If Joe Mixon weren't to be there. I'm excited from the perspective of what Samaj P. Ryan did. Like, there is a world where another guy could prosper in some small way, and it costs nothing to get him on your team. So for that, he'll be on my dartboard at the end of the draft, but I don't expect a ton. Yeah, same. And I I don't see him as being a guy that they would give a full workload to. So I think, you know, as you were saying, they're going to bring in someone else, whether it's one of these other free agent backs or bring someone up off the practice squad or, or whatever, you know, he, he won't be the only feature back in that backfield. I mean, he just didn't get the draft capital to be that guy. Would there be a grocery backfield than Joe Mixon and Kareem Hunt together? No. <laughs> Stay out of the clubs, ladies, <laughs> if they're in there. 
Oh, oh, that'd be rough. oh God. <laughs> horrible. Absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's not horrible. They're wide receivers. We should actually give some I mean, Jamar Chase. Do we need to talk about Jamar Chase? No. Nope. Are we going we to? Yeah, because he's awesome. Um, just real quick, a, a simple this or that. Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson this year? Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Okay. All right. I agree. Probably as much as we need to talk about Jamar mm-hmm. Chase. Right, well, I, I do have a different question though: Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson in Dynasty, not just for 2023. Same answer for me, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, same. Even though Kirk Cousins could be gone, Kirk Cousins could be gone after this year, and you would expect Joe Burrow to be with the Bengals for like a long time. I'm not scared. I try not to tether my wide receiver value to whatever potential quarterback situation might be. I try to just let it flow based on talent alone. You know, I might need to reevaluate that process, but that's what I'm sticking with for right now. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right. T. Higgins? He's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else to say? I mean, he's on the last year of his contract, right? And I know there's been talks about him getting extended. I thought Hasn't he had happened. been confirmed to be extended. No? No. Hmm? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I've seen nothing about T. Higgins' extension. Obviously, if he does get extended, that's huge for the organization and for Joe Burrow having him locked up um, because he's a wide receiver one in his own right. Uh, Again, not much to talk about there with him because he's just good. Yeah, he's just. I will say it still feels you mentioned him being, you know, a wide receiver one in his own right. He's not drafted that way. I think in Dynasty, his value might still be that way. Although everybody seems to think that T. Higgins is 100 years old. He is like a year older than Jamar Chase, I'm pretty sure. Um, but people just think that he's like a, a an elder statesman. So in Dynasty, especially, is he somebody where you would rather at value try to capture him as opposed to Jamar Chase? Or are you just saying, screw it, give me Jamar Chase? No matter screw what it, give me Jamar Chase. I was really high in T. Higgins last year thinking that he could like stay right there with Chase and I I, I think the Bengals proved last year that Jamar Chase is their dude, and he is that dude, and he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. So while both were on the field from weeks one through seven to start the season, Chase was getting over 10 targets a game, while T. Higgins was at 6.3. Chase saw seven, sorry, 27.7% of team targets. T. Higgins saw just 16.5. And then Chase saw 33% of the team red zone targets, while T. Higgins was at just 12%. And the T. Higgins had those big games with Jamar Chase out. That was fantastic because he is a really good wide receiver. He could be a wide receiver one on a team. But as soon as Jamar Chase came back and they played those last six games together, including the playoffs, all those numbers came right back down. Actually, Jamar Chase's percentage of team targets went up to 28.5%. T. Higgins did go up a little bit too, but still we're just at 19.7. For one of those top 12, top 10 wide receivers, you really want that up above like 22%, 23%. So I'm kind of off T. Higgins now at his cost because he's still one of those really highly regarded wide receivers as he should be. He's very talented. And if Chase were to ever go down, he'd be great. But while both are healthy, I just don't think T. Higgins is worth the cost. Yeah, I think Jamar Chase, like far and away wide receiver one. But I do think like there's enough room, especially with, the talent of Joe Burrow and his efficiency as a passer to have both of these on your fantasy team. Like I think 
I would be perfectly fine rostering both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the same roster and starting them on a weekly basis because I think there's just enough production for both of these guys to to have a, a relatively high ceiling and a safe floor. Have you guys ever done that before where you have the quarterback of a team and his two Ooh. wide receivers? I've done no. it exclusively in best ball. I'm too scared to do it in the regular world. In best ball, I love it. Everywhere else, I'm too timid. Have you? I think I did it. I definitely had Antonio Brown and Juju in the same year where Juju went off. What was that, 2018? I may have had Ben also that year because I remember living and dying off the Steelers, but I had such <laughs> a good fantasy season that year because I had both of them and they both just were fantastic. So Very it, dangerous it can- to put mm. your eggs in in that one basket, by the way. Mm. Not only your fandom, but then your entire fantasy life all gets boiled into this one team. That's scary. It's toxic. It it's totally toxic. <laughs> I know. But it was a really fun season that year. They didn't end up making the playoffs, but it was a great, it was the most fun season I remember in a long time. I love it. All right. One last question here uh, for the Bengals. With Irv Smith coming to town, does it do anything for you? I know people are excited about, oh, this is finally at a tight end coming to the to Cincinnati. They're, they're, it's like the one piece that they're, you know, missing there on offense. And do you care at all? Or is it just Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and that's all we really care about? I mean, has Irv Smith ever stayed healthy for more than a quarter? More than Aww. a quarter. Like, but also, I feel like people think Hayden Hurston more than he did last year in this offense. He averaged mm-hmm. 7.9 fantasy points per game in PPR. That was the same amount as guys like Jordan a- a- Atkins, Aikens, and Aikens. Tyler Conklin. Like, were you pumped to play those players? No, you weren't. So I I don't know. I really I don't care about Irv Smith. He's not even one of those guys I'm looking at late. Here's the thing, though. Joe Burrow, since 2020... Second lowest tight end target rate among all quarterbacks with 500 or more passing attempts. Ranked 32nd out of 37 of those qualifying quarterbacks with just five targets to the tight end position per game. Like, the thing is, when you have an elite wide receiver core, like, we haven't even talked about Tyler Boyd. We haven't talked about Charlie Jones. Like, these are also talented receivers. And they also use their running backs. Like, there's just not enough targets to go around. And there's no way the Bengals are going to be like, we need to get Irv Smith his targets. Like, that's not going to happen. And that's just not a tight end I'm going to chase. Yeah, I, I just think there's too many other options for a guy that doesn't seem to inherently favor the position. Like, it, I, I'm not looking to invest. I think there are higher upside options elsewhere that are going to cost you similar draft capital Mm -hmm. trade irv and dynasty for a couple of thirds if you can get them you know that's that's my move that's Mm -hmm. my big advice Mm -hmm. yeah same all right let's move on to the ravens here they were second in the division at 10 and 7 uh they lost again uh, notable in quotes here uh sammy watkins uh demarcus (laughs) robinson kenyan drake and josh oliver Uh, they brought on board Odell Beckham and Nelson Aguilar. And in the draft, uh, the only fantasy-relevant player is first-round pick Zay Flowers. So, Lamar, oh my God, Lamar, uh, I know names, um, <laughs> got his big contract extension, you know, for a day, was the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Um, they have a new offensive coordinator coming into town. Greg Roman's gone. Um, what kind of... With, in conjunction with the new offensive coordinator and this new contract, 
are you expecting something different with Lamar and this how this offense is going to look this upcoming season? I don't really know, guys. This is the thing. So I, I feel like people are so excited about Todd Munkin coming to the Ravens. It's and because of volume. Yeah, they're like, oh, my God, it's not going to be like Baker Mayfield and the Browns. No way. No way, right? They threw 534 <laughs> times and Baker threw 21 interceptions. And 22. It will never be like that, which was, by the way, his last offensive coordinator job in the NFL. It's, of course, going to be like Jameis Winston, but only in that last year he was with them, not the years prior. No, 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 no. <laughs> only that last year when they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, and then also, are we going to forget that, A, Baker Mayfield threw 21 interceptions, and then Jameis Winston threw how many interceptions? How many? Maybe. 30? 30. 30, yeah. Enough that he should have had his own documentary made yeah. about it. That's so how that those two quarterbacks are who we have to look at with Todd Munkin here. So if Lamar Jackson does throw more, A, that takes away from his rushing. That sucks for fantasy. And then are, is he going to start throwing touch or interceptions left and right? Like, we don't want that because that's bad for fantasy. I, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to him, but I'm not personally excited about this OC change like everyone else. It's like, he was a pretty good fantasy quarterback with, uh, what's his name? Why can't I think of Greg Roman? Like, why are we like, oh, it has to get better with Todd Munkin? No, it doesn't. And every single year, it kind of gets worse with Lamar with his passing stats. Every single year, he's regressing in passing stats. Now, rushing, he's still amazing. But, um, and that's really all I'm worried about when it comes to fantasy. So please don't pass more. Please run more in the same amount. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing though, like in 2019, in that, that season where Jameis Winston, yeah, he threw, um, 30 touchdowns, 30, 30 interceptions. no, 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Um, he did have 626 pass attempts. He was, despite those 30 interceptions, the QB three on the year because of that volume. Lamar now, Jackson's never going to throw it six. I agree. Times. I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying like a, a boost in the volume paired with what I think is. Winston also had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And I know people want to hype up OBJ and Zay Flowers. Those two were not even close to what Mike Evans uh, and Chris you, Godwin were that year. You have Mark Andrews. Let's not forget Mark Andrews. Um, I'm just saying, I do think this Todd is a... Bateman? I mean, come on. They've got all this talent. The master the Bateman is sitting there <laughs> just waiting for more targets. They have a bunch of healthy. wide receiver twos. It, but, like, a bunch of wide receiver twos is better than, I think, what Lamar Jackson he's has He's basically going to with. be playing with what Patrick Mahomes was playing with last year. Pretty much exactly. Now he's going to have to be just as good as Patrick Mahomes. As a passer, what do you think? Let's the, see if he can. No, be. he doesn't because he has a safer rushing core. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just You're talking just, about if the OC wants to become way more pass heavy, he's going to have to then prove that he can run an offense with the, a bunch of wide receiver twos and a great tight end. And you know, I, don't, I just think like you have questions about Todd Monken, which is fine. I think that's very fair, and I don't know necessarily how much like volume is going to help or hurt Lamar Jackson. Cause I do think if you see an in increase in volume, you're probably going to see a decrease in efficiency, especially just given you're historically what we've seen with these quarterbacks. So 2021, he was averaging 31.8 passing attempts per game by far his highest in his career. And that's when he had his lowest passer rating, 87.0, really, really bad passer rating for an NFL quarterback. And he only had 16 touchdowns. I know he missed a handful of games there, but, 
he wasn't on pace for very many. 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So again, he didn't play. He missed a handful of games and still had 13 interceptions. Still so. the QB seven in fantasy points per game in that instance. Yeah, he's going to be a good fantasy quarterback. I, that's what we're talking. We're talking no, about fantasy. <laughs> it was. What are your expectations for him in his passing in the context game? of fantasy? Now to I'm, pair that, I, I'm saying I don't want him to pass more. To pair that with the pass catchers who are going to be greatly affected by this whole change, right? So Mark Andrews, I think we can all agree, still going to be very fantasy relevant, should be the the next guy, if not the next next guy behind um, Travis Kelsey. However, so we talked about OBJ. We talked about Zay Flowers being wide receiver twos. Rashad Bateman, I have hopes for him, but it's only hope because we haven't gotten to see a lot from him just yet. He's had a lot of injuries that he's dealt with, and he's been in a limited offense. So Hollywood Brown is the last sort of fantasy-relevant wide receiver we've seen with the Ravens. And even he was, you know, scraping a 1,000 yards to get by. Do you see a path for a single pass catcher outside of Mark Andrews to at least give you somewhat consistent fantasy production or just no? The only one I would consider is Zay Flowers because I think he could do plenty after the catch. I think he can be used as a weapon. He's literally Marquise Brown, so they just basically took him again in the first round, which I guess they just started over and they didn't have to pay Brown. So, sure. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, but I think it's... But Brown had some viable fantasy games as a rookie, especially his first game ever. Didn't he have like 200-something yards? Uh, so, I like, if I was going to take a shot on one of these guys, it's Zay Flowers. I want nothing to do with OBJ with Lamar Jackson. I don't think I don't like that duo. And I'm I, I give up on Rashad Bateman. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Well, running, there's only one thing left to discuss. And if Lamar Jackson's not going to be running it as much, is J.K. Dobbins going to take over that? Do we actually believe that J.K. Dobbins can be what so many have wanted him to be forever, which is like a fringe RB1, if not outright RB1? Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see him fully healthy. Like, I just hope he's fully healthy this year. I, I feel like at the end of, what was it, 2021, 2020? It may have been 2020 at this point. Uh, he had such a good ending where he, a lot of his fantasy points came from touchdowns, but that's what you're kind of hoping for, right? The mm -hmm. Ravens are a high, like a high scoring offense. He has lots of opportunities. You know, he's not going to get a lot of targets, even if they pass more. Like, I don't think they're going to go to him. But he should have a lot of opportunities to score. He is a good, he's good around the goal line. And last year, he never really had a game with very many carries. His most was actually in the very last week with seven carries, but he was dealing with injuries. I do actually really like J.K. Dobbins for next year. It all comes down to touchdown volume, which is really risky. But if he can score double digit touchdowns, which I think is very possible, I can see him being a running back nine to 14, somewhere in that range. I do think nine would be like about his ceiling, even with 10 touchdowns. But I think he'll be good at cost. I like him. I do have like some concerns just from a volume standpoint overall. Like I, I get it. If we're going to take some carries, maybe or maybe increase the passing volume, maybe, um, you know, we're going to have some more rushing volume dedicated to actual like design runs by a running back but jk dobbins has had one single game in his career with more than 15 carries like he has not been utilized necessarily as a bell cow and usually when you have running backs that aren't getting you know more than 15 carries a game i want to see some of that supplemented with a role as a receiver and i just don't think that this is what 
unless Todd Monken changes this significantly and sort of changes the like ethos of this whole offense, I worry that like we're just never going to see this ceiling that we want to see with J.K. Dobbins based on some of the flashes. Like his best games have come off efficiency, which is great because like a, a stout running offense with a good rushing quarterback uh, should help you be more efficient in your run game. But the the lack of like true workhorse role makes me a little antsy. I will say. Todd Monken gave Peyton Barber 234 carries in 2018 with the Buccaneers. If he's willing to do that, then J.K. Dobbins should easily hit that number. And if you tell me J.K. Dobbins has over 225 carries this year, I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah, but Peyton Barber was elite. I mean, come on. Is anybody going to argue against that? And for some reason, the team really likes uh, Gus Edwards and isn't Justice Hill still on the team? Yeah. And, you know, they, Is Gus they, Edwards still there? Yeah, he's there and he's back, back from injury. So it's just, it's one of those things. They seem to really like those two running backs. So I do think Dobbins' ceiling is capped a bit uh, as far as carries wise. And you really are going to be relying on those touchdowns, which hurts my heart to say, because I was all in on Dobbins last year coming back from injury. Um, So I, I, I hope, you know, he's injury free and, and, and we see the best of him this year, but uh, just with the way they've deployed that backfield in the past, I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. I'm not going to lie. I thought Gus Edwards was gone. He is one that, like, <laughs> he's a bug that will not die. Like, he will never be off the Ravens. Uh, wow. So, yeah, that makes me a little bit more nervous about J.K. Dobbins because Gus Edwards is good. And they're both the same amount of time away from their injuries. So, who who knows? Mm-hmm. Who Gus Taxes and Gus Edwards. Yeah. Gus Cockroach <laughs> Edwards, they call it. <laughs> Speaking of cockroaches, should we talk about the Browns, I guess, for a little bit? Oh, that seems a little... That's the best transition a podcast has ever... That's the best one I've ever heard in my life. All right. So so last and least, the Browns, uh, finishing fourth in the division at 7-10. and Uh, Their losses this year were Jacoby Brissett, Dernis Johnson, Farrell Brown, uh, Kareem Hunt, and Jesse James. Still not re-signed, but they haven't signed anywhere else, so kind of up in the air. Uh, they brought on board Elijah Moore uh, via trade, Jordan Aikens, and Marquise Goodwin. And in the draft, uh, in the third round, uh, they brought in wide receiver Cedric Tillman and Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. Uh, so let's start with the creepiest guy on the roster, um, Deshaun Watson. Uh, everyone was expecting him to come back after his almost two-year hiatus and just be the Deshaun Watson that we saw with Houston. Uh, and obviously that didn't happen. Uh, do you see this as just he was working out the cobwebs and, and working the rust out from not playing football for almost two years? Uh, or has he lost a step? I mean, what what are you thinking he can reasonably finish as a you know fantasy quarterback this season? So I think he's a human being, right? And even if he did all these bad things, it's going to get in your head when everyone hates you in the entire world and you're hearing all these things and you're playing in these stadiums or everyone's booing you. Like You would have to be a robot for that not to affect you. So I do think that's the reason he came back and he was bad. He like, he was honestly bad. He averages 15 fantasy points per game. That was less than guys like Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Marcus Mariota last year. 
Like it was bad for him. But prior to his instances and everything he went, everything, I don't want to say he went through, that he put people through, but he was a top five fantasy quarterback in 2022, or sorry, in 2020, in 2019, and in 2018. Like he was fantastic NFL quarterback and a fantastic fantasy quarterback because he also offered you a lot of that rushing upside as well. I do think he's going to be better this year. I think he has a nice supporting cast. I, I think he has a whole off season of, you know, getting right. I don't think the media is going to be the same as last year with all these questions about him. I don't think that the crowds are going to be as hard against him anymore. I think like people just wanted to come at him last year and it's going to die down a little bit. So I, I do think he'll be better. And I think he's probably a really good option at his cost. I'm not going to be drafting him, but I do think he's probably going to be a pretty solid fantasy quarterback next year. And also he had two really solid weeks at the end of last season that was trending up. So 22 points in week 17, 20 points in week 18. I mean, that's fine. You wouldn't, yeah, they're wouldn't not, be... they're not great for Deshaun Watson or like great in general, but they definitely were better than what he started at in his first mm-hmm. uh, handful of games. They weren't Jacoby Brissett numbers, but they were fine. <laughs> they were okay. <laughs> Well, his so the the people that he's going to be throwing to there it is Amari Cooper, and then <laughs> does anybody have a firm grasp of a real second option as a pass catcher in that offense? So someone tweeted today, and it was like, "How is Elijah Moore ranked so low?" There's no one that loves Elijah Moore more than I do. Coming out of school and like. I still have hope that he'll become something. It, it hurts me. He went to the Browns, but I'll still root for him. But it was a lit, it was at practice with zero defense and the pass was about five feet away. Like, and they were like, look at this duo. It's like, this proves absolutely nothing. Like, this is silly. Hey, but, to be fair, it was like a slow mo pass. Yeah. Like they, it was edited pretty nicely. <laughs> I do think Elijah Moore can have a Will Fuller type season though with Watson. He is a, a very speedy guy. I do think like he's a perfect wide receiver to play with Deshaun Watson. If Watson gets back to what he was with the Texans, I do think Elijah Moore has a pretty solid year and he's going to be drafted very late. Cedric Tillman's an exciting rookie as well. But if I needed to take one of these guys late in the draft, it would be Elijah Moore. And I am very biased because I love him so much coming out of school. So take whatever I'm saying with a grain of salt. (laughs) I like question though like do we really think that like just from a a historical standpoint and what we've seen out of Kevin Stefanski's offense like is there really enough passing volume do we think to really designate like any true number two option that's going to be worth it like looking at what we've seen out of Kevin Stefanski as a head coach or at head coach slash offensive coordinator Passing offense ranks in his four seasons, 30th, 28th, 28th, 22nd. That is where, or sorry, 20, 30th, 28th, 28th, 21st. That is where he ranked in terms of pass attempts for his offenses. And like, do we really think that changes this year? I, like the, the running back court, not a lot of depth there, but I also don't think they've done enough with the receiving game to sort of put a lot of stock in that, but I guess. And I do think a big issue is that he is playing in Cleveland and Cleveland gets cold very, very fast. Yeah. Like you got the month of September, maybe that, and it's going to get cold and very windy. 
and miserable. Extremely bad. Like the wind in downtown Cleveland, which is where the stadium is, is uh, it's something that you've never experienced anywhere else. I've lived in Pittsburgh. I've lived uh, in Syracuse, New York. Like I, I, I lived those places. I've also lived in Cleveland and walking those streets with that wind. It is brutal off that lake. And we only, we saw Deshaun Watson great in Houston, which by the way, they like, it's a dome most of the time. Cause even when it was beautiful nights, I don't even open that thing. So that could be an issue. And I do think that's why they like to run more. And looking at Kevin Stefanski, it is a little worrisome in 2019 with the Vikings as OC. He was 30th in pass attempts per game. When we see now Kirk Cousins pass so much lately with a new OC. So yeah, maybe things won't change in Cleveland and they're just going to stay the gross Browns and Watson won't get better. Yeah, I know for me, I mean, it's, it's going to be Amari Cooper and that's it as far as the receiving options on that team. I have zero interest. I don't care how late they go. Maybe Elijah Moore, you know, late. No um, David Njoku, love for light end, t- late tight end. Uh, you know you really. shouldn't take any tight end advice from me, but I'm just curious. I'm just throwing the question out. I mean, for me, no. I mean, what, he had the six-year breakout? Finally, <laughs> last year, I mean, David and Joku came at me on Twitter. Like he, like he made everyone really mad at me. I remember that because I said I, I wrote. I was just being funny with Kate, saying like David and Joku is never going to happen. And then he retweeted me. Was oh, like, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was not. He was, was that not right for this last season? Was he? I think using so. Which was his last season? I wonder if he printed season. out. He printed out my tweet and hung it in his locker. I'm certain. I'm certain I, of it. I like <laughs> David and Joku. I think like in terms of a late round flyer, like there probably aren't a ton of tight ends. I think that have the kind of upside that David and Joku has had based on a, the flashes we've seen based on his overall athletic profile, just in general, like with Deshaun Watson, um, he was, he was fine. Um, had five targets and four out of his, uh, four out of his five games with Deshaun Watson. Like, it's fine. It's fine. I, I think he poses a high ceiling, not because of situation or because of Deshaun Watson, though. I think it's just based on like you're betting on the talent of David and Joku, which I think is a fine bet. I just well, and Deshaun Watson, when he was in Houston, made his tight ends there fantasy relevant. Maybe not every single week, but I mean, there were weeks where where they would pop off and, and have really good games. So um you know, he does look the tight end way from time to time. So, I mean, he, he could be a good late round flyer, but I, I don't know. It's just that Houston had like four tight ends that they would cycle through and you couldn't peg which one it was going to be, at least with Njoku. It's like, well, he's the only guy that's probably going to be relevant from that situation. He's a guy that I, I probably will have on my teams, like, but he's one that I'm not going to actively seek out. He's somebody that, like, if I have no, I literally can't even project where he might be drafted next year. Like, but depending on what the board looks like, if he falls to me and I, you know what, everyone who's listening, you don't have to worry about it because you're going to be taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. Like (laughs) you should, and you don't got to worry about anything else. Yeah. I, I did want to go back to the wide receiver conversation real quick because Dustin, I feel like you're just like giving Amari Cooper this pass for being so bad with Watson last year. Are you not worried about that? Like, I think I'd rather, if I'm going to take one of these guys, I'd rather take Elijah Moore in like the last round of my redrafts than take Gilman. or Cedric, like either one over taking Amari Cooper where he's going to be going because his numbers drastically fell with Deshaun Watson. Like, it was pretty good with Jacoby 
uh, Brissett. Right. But I mean, he was only averaging 11.6 PPR points per game with Watson. And I mean, his it was mostly due to his reception percentage went so far down. He, uh, they were just not clicking. He did That's average a lot of fair. yards per reception with Watson, but like, all right. I mean, Again, I, I just remember his higher, you know, end of the year fantasy finish was higher than I expected it to be or thought it would be. Uh, when I saw the end of the season numbers, I was like, oh, Amari Cooper actually had a decent season. You have a low opinion of Amari Cooper, I, I think, in general, <laughs> I historically. <do. laughs> so you've come around. But now well, you're maybe come good. around too far. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> He, right, he had some nice games with Brissett. It's just like nothing with Watson. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think Amari Cooper still has too big of a name where he's just not going to drop far enough. And people are just going to, he's not going to go early, early, but like, I still don't even want to touch him in the seventh, eighth round, which I think was where he'll go. I'd Ooh. rather wait till the last round and just take Elijah Moore, who I think could have big games. And I obviously would prefer him in best ball. That would be, so I don't have to guess which those big games mm-hmm. are. But I do think Elijah Moore will have a couple of those 120-yard games with a touchdown at some points of the season. A second-rate Tyler Lockett, you might call him, if you were (laughs) feeling mean about it, I guess. Uh, But Nick Chubb, okay, yes, he's going to be good for fantasy. He's the only guy there. Is this finally the year because there's nobody else for competition, supposedly? I mean, we're talking. They have to bring in someone, right? I don't know. They have to sign someone out. They cannot go into the season with Jerome Ford, John Kelly, Demetric Felton. Like those can't be the. What happens if Nick Chubb goes down? Forty combined between the three of them. Forty combined career rush attempts. Forty combined. Forty combined. (laughs) Listen, if we get into the end of August and we're drafting redraft, and this is still the depth chart. Fine. Nick Chubb might have a career year in fantasy, 100%. But there's just no way, right? That would be for a team that really has Super Bowl aspirations. They truly think they're a contender. And there's no way you can go into this with just Nick Chubb and nobody. But if any team's going to do it, don't you think it'd be the Browns? What'd you say? If any team's going to do it, don't you think it would be the Browns? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But like, there's too many available running backs out there. Yeah, even mean, like Daryl Henderson's still they're not even getting touched. Mm-hmm. They could sign him for vet minimum. And I do think even Daryl Henderson could steal some work away. It, but the thing is, Nick Chubb's going to be great again, just like the entire team. His production went way, way down with Watson before with Brissett averaging nearly 19 fantasy points per game with Watson 12. That is seven points per game different. And you would think like with the colder weather. And being at the end of the season, his production actually would have went up, but it didn't because he scored zero rushing touchdowns with Watson because he was so bad. So you would think that has to get better because his usage really didn't go down and his yards per carry was still good. So maybe we're just like, I'm overblowing that. Nick Chubb's going to be fine. It's just someone that's not exciting. Why? Why is he not exciting? He's got no pizzazz. No receiving upside. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like last year had his best PPR season in his career. Last year, age 27, and finishes the RB6. Like for how good he is, for how productive he is, like was in contention for the rushing title right up until the very end, RB6. 
Jake, you know I love to do this. So Nick Chubb or Tony Pollard this year? I defer to the upside of Tony Pollard. No? No. I'm going to do it. No. Give me Chubb. I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. We had technical difficulties over here. What did you say? No, I defer to the upside of Pollard. Uh, Dustin's yeah. going with Chubb. Oh, I would go with Pollard for Justin, sure. Dustin, explain yourself. I I guess I just don't trust Pollard to have a full workload. Um, where I know Nick Chubb. Basically, and with, with Ezekiel Elliott in town. The beauty of Tony Pollard, he doesn't need a full workload. He's that efficient. No, he doesn't. I just, I guess I'm just not a believer. I, I mean, Chubb, I, Chubb or Bijan Robinson? Well, give me Bijan. Give me Bijan, baby. That's too easy. That's spicy. <laughs> All right, then. One more. Chubb or Jameer Gibbs? That's Chubb, Chubb for me. Yeah. Okay. Full PPR. You... Full PPR. It's still Chubb? Yeah. Yeah. Who would you prefer on your ballpark hot dog? Nick <laughs> Chubb or Bijan? <laughs> what? That's easily <laughs> spicy Bijan. Every time. Okay. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Nick Chubb is going to be, as you said, Michelle, he'll be completely fine. Somebody like Jameer Gibbs, who I have a lot of trust issues with Detroit. A, yeah. a lot of them stem from DeAndre Swift, so not necessarily Gibbs' fault, but I do have trust issues there, so I would rather rely on the proven workload of Nick Chubb. See, Same. my trust issues don't come from Swift because I was never high on him, but carry on Johnson. I oh, am wow. still <laughs> scarred from that man that I, like Jameer Gibbs has that same type of feeling as carry on Johnson did. Uh, you know, you just were so excited for him. I thought we had a low talking about the Browns, but we didn't. You dug a well <laughs> under the hole of the Browns to talk about Carryon Johnson. So thank you for that. Oh, he had such potential. <laughs> uh, sure did. <laughs> that hot minute. That's right. All right. So any, any last thoughts about your uh, NFC, NFC, AFC North here in general? I really don't. I, I think people are not giving the Steelers enough respect. And I think they're going to be better than everyone thinks. I do think people are very overvaluing Todd Munkin. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be bad. We just don't know yet, right? It could be good. It could be bad. But people are only saying it's going to be a good thing. It's like Greg Roman was actually pretty good for Lamar Jackson in fantasy. So those are my two biggest takeaways. My biggest takeaway is I do think this is one of going to be one of the hardest divisions in the NFL when I'm doing my like full team projections. This is the division that I feel like I'm going to struggle with the most. I, I haven't started that process yet, but I am going to be like on pins and needles projecting the AFC North because it feels like the range of outcomes is insanely huge with mm -hmm. every single team in this division. It's absurd. Oh, yeah. I'm scared for you. All right. Well, I think that'll about do it for this week. Um, why don't the two of you um, shout out whatever you want to do or whatever you're working on, uh, things you got going on here, where people can find you, all that good stuff. This is your time. Our time to shine, baby. Um, I'm Kate Majuk. You could follow me on Twitter at Kate Majuk. It's K-A-T-E-M-A-G-D. Z-I-U-K. Remember when I used to just be FF Ball Blast? Those are the good old <laughs> days. 
but you can follow me on Twitter, uh, follow me wherever, and check out my work at Gaming Society. Did you want to bring a ball blast? Oh, yeah. We do this podcast, mm-hmm. this little podcast. It's called Ball Blast. Um, and it's Michelle and I, and we talk about fantasy football, betting, all the things NFL. But Ball Blast is one word. You can find us on any of your podcast apps. It's just us two talking and chilling and having fun, drinking. It's a good time. And I also, I have a 49ers podcast. I know very random because I'm a Steelers fan, but I've gone to the dark side. I'm also a 49ers fan at this point, but it's called the gold standard. It's an awesome, awesome podcast. So if you are interested in the 49ers whatsoever, come find us, listen to us. I'm on the Friday shows called gold diggers, but all the shows are great each day. Um, yeah. So 49ers fans come hither. Thank you guys for having me. I don't think I've ever said again. come hither. Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that what it means? I don't, I I don't know if it's one I'd keep in the repertoire necessarily, <laughs> but we tried it. <laughs> something? No, that one's going in the truck. Okay. That's going in the vault and that's- it's staying there. <laughs> but we're honored to have joined you guys yet again to discuss the AFC North. I can't wait to come back next year and talk about. Um, the, the Steelers being AFC champions. Wow. Yeah. Next go. year, the internet's going to be so bad that both of us are going to come out to yours and we're all going to record in the same there room together. That's what's going <laughs> to Let's happen. go. It's overdue. It sure is. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. Jake, is there anything you want to say before we sign off here? No, nah, man. This was delightful. Thank you for coming on mm-hmm. for this delightful little reunion that we had. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for coming on. Um, as always, folks, you know, give us a rate review wherever you're get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube here, wherever, um, so you can find us when we go live and all that good stuff, all of our video clips. Um, but that'll about do it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, continuing our divisional breakdown series. Uh, hopefully, have some more amazing guests lined up. Jake, I hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, uh, we should have more amazing guests. And yeah, uh, we'll just talk to you next week, folks. Cheers up, Peppers. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.